0: So I start my search, and so I open up all the drawers, close the drawers, open the closet, close the closet. I walk into the bathroom to see if I've forgotten anything in the bathroom because that's generally where I do. I turn, I walk out of the bathroom, I look across the bedroom and
1: the living room at the mirror. Episode 180, Do You Believe in Ghosts? You might after this. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential with one35 Million listens and downloads growing every week. This is the Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today, best selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. Jason, great to be with you. Uh, Dale, uh, one, it's great to be with you. And two, I'm just glad to be back in my house. <laughs> so I'm going to read. A text message string. This is a podcast. It's audio theater of the mind. But just imagine, um, you can look at the phone, my phone, and there is uh, the text message string between between uh, Jason and I. And it starts out with me asking, "Hey, how's your trip in Washington D.C.?" And your response is, "Weird hotel ghosts." And I respond, "I I know you well enough." I no, you don't believe in ghosts. And so I respond, what are you staying at the Watergate?" And you tell me last night, someone, and this is text message last night, someone took all my blankets and covers in the middle of the night. And I thought how nasty for whoever was sleeping with me. I thought that was kind of funny. And then realized I was sleeping alone. <laughs> the hotel is the 150 years old and kind of creepy. I said, okay, that's weird. <laughs> so, okay. You tell me the story because I've been dying curiosity ever since. Okay, so this was
0: my trip uh, to Washington, D.C. and Richmond, Virginia. So what I'm going to tell you about actually happened in Richmond, Virginia. Now, to set it up, let me say this. I'm a pretty regular guy about most things in my life. With hotels, I'm kind of funny. Uh, I've been in a couple of hotel fires over the years, and so I've got a couple of rules. I never stay above the fifth floor because that's how high fire ladders go. And I want a, a balcony, a terrace, a window that opens, a door that opens. I want a second way out of the room. And so Andrea, uh, my speaking manager and assistant, she's always trying to find me hotels that meet those requirements. And so far, we, we've been lucky. So uh, she said, oh, I, I've got this great booking for you. You're absolutely going to love it uh, in Richmond, Virginia. It's called the Linden Row Inn, L-I-N-D-E-N-R-O-W-I-N-N, the Linden Row Inn. And I said, well, tell me about it. She said, well, it's like five old brownstone mansions uh, that were built 150, 200 years ago. And they've all been put together into a hotel. It's got like 75 rooms, and it meets all of your requirements. And I don't like old antiquey things, and I don't like staying in old buildings and stuff. But uh, she said, and Buster, that's it. That's all I could find in Richmond that meets your requirements. So uh, the story is I, I fly in to Richmond. I get there uh, fairly late, uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock uh, in the evening, uh, check in the hotel, and it is, uh, it's is—it's old. It's, it's old mansions and it's old antique furnishings, and um, I, I went to my room, and it was a suite, uh, a huge living room, and I'll try to draw you a picture. I would say... 20 feet by 25 feet with 20 or 25 foot ceilings. Uh, and then huge, the biggest double doors I've ever seen in my life. You'd need a, you'd need a tackle on a professional football team to move these sliding doors back and forth into a bedroom of the same size, huge high ceilings. Again, the room 20, 25 feet. And then off that, uh, a bathroom, which, uh, was, um, much more modern than the rest. So it's all finished with period pieces. So, uh, so not exactly my cup of tea, but that's fine. So, uh, but but a lovely, lovely hotel uh, on on cobblestone streets. I mean, it's a very very neat place. So I um, I had a glass of wine. Uh, maybe I had one and a half in my room, and I uh, they don't have room service, and it was getting a little bit late for their restaurant for me to go and get something. So I just ordered Grubhub, and so now it's about ten o'clock. So I've had my glass and a half of wine. I've had my little bit of uh, bushu pork or whatever I had, and I decided it's time to go to bed. So I fall asleep very easily and very gently. And then all of a sudden, wham, in the middle of the night, somebody or something violently takes the sheets and pillowcases, rips them, or sheets and blankets, rips them off my body and deposits them on the other side of the room. And I'm coming out of a dead sleep and I thought, God, was I snoring? I mean, did somebody rip everything off because I was snoring or I, I the, the waking? And then I thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hotel. I'm alone. And I came out of sleep. I jumped straight up. And I went, no, what in the hell was this? And it's not like I could have physically kicked all of these blankets and sheets and duvet uh, in this huge huge king-sized bed from one side of the bed to the other side of the bed, off the bed and onto the wall on the other side of the room. Well, I just, I almost had a panic attack. And I thought, now, wait a minute, what in the heck just happened here? So I was sufficiently shaken up that there was no way I was getting back in that bed that night. And so I, I grabbed the pillow that was still there and I went over to the side of the room and I picked up a blanket and I went to the living room and I kind of propped myself up. Half laying down and half sitting up in the couch, and thought, "Gosh, I hope I'm able to get a couple of hours of sleep." So this all happened about three o'clock uh, in the morning. Did you so check doors? Did you? What? I was I was locked in tighter than a okay. drum. I mean, there were no open windows, there were no open doors. Believe me, I'm very security conscious, conscious uh, when I'm traveling, and this is on a, like the ground floor of this uh, old brownstone mansion in. So there's no way I would have allowed uh, a window to be open or, and I turned the furnace off at night. I like to sleep when it's cool. So there'd no air coming from any place. No. And so I was absolutely beside myself. And so the next morning I go downstairs to the front desk and uh, the, the concierge was there and there was a person on the front desk. And I said, can I ask you a question? I said, does this hotel have ghosts? And they just looked at each other, a knowing look, looked at me and said, what room are you in? And I said, I'm in room 214. And they've said, well, other guests have um, mentioned it, uh, but none of the employees have ever actually seen anything. So um, now I'm thinking, uh, can I get out of this hotel tonight? Uh, for the second night. Well, there was no place else to go in Richmond. So now, the second night, I'm sitting in the room. Again, had had a glass of wine, had a little bit of food. It was getting to be about 10 o'clock at night. I'm in the parlor or in the living room, and uh, I'm reading a book. And I'm, I'm just starting to think about going to bed. And all of a sudden, and by the way, there's one that's going to make your skin crawl here in a minute. Uh, and right about 10 o'clock, all of a sudden, the huge chandelier, They didn't have side tables with lamps, but they had a huge, big, old chandelier in the center of the room. And all of a sudden, it started flickering, 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 flickering. So I'm thinking electrical problem. And all of a sudden, it started going on and off, on and off, on and off with a frantic, frantic speed. So I jump up. I walk over the wall where the switch is. And I turn the switch off. The thing goes off. I turn the switch on. The lights come back on. And I think, now, what in the world is that? And I go, and I sit down again. I start reading again. And all of a sudden, brrr, it starts again. So I look up at the chandelier. So now I'm going to talk to the ghost. I mean, you know, you know, have I made the cosmic connection or what? <laughs> and I said, look, I'm going to bed. I'm a real nice guy. Don't bug me. There were a couple of chief uh, not-nice expletives in there as well. And I said, just leave me alone. Don't bother me. And the flickering absolutely stopped. So now... The next day, I'm about to leave. I've got a very early morning car pickup at, I think, like 6 o'clock. So I left the wake-up call for, I think, 3.30, and and I got up. And, Dale, I just had this—I don't know if you've ever had a sense that there was another presence near you or somebody was watching you— And it was just kind of like I had the goosebumps and, and I thought, well, you know, it's because of having all the bedding ripped off of me and it's because of the light going on and off last night. But I I just moved, uh, with purpose and I wanted to get out of the room as quick as I possibly could. So I, uh, put my suitcase on the edge of the bed. And I largely, I laid up my clothes that I was going to be wearing that day. I uh, was packing, I packed everything else. Then I went in, I shaved and flossed and brushed and uh, showered and did all of those things. And then I came out and I got dressed and I thought, okay, so the backpack is packed. The suitcase is packed. I stood the suitcase on the floor. And then I've learned over the years to do one last walkthrough of a room. So I don't leave anything. So before I tell you what happened next, I will just tell you in the living room, I've already described the configuration of the room, this huge parlor, this huge bedroom, the bathroom off. And on the front wall of the, of the huge living room was a huge mirror that must be 10 or 12 feet high in a big gilded frame, kind of half leaning against the space between the windows. So I start my search And so I open up all the drawers, close the drawers, open the closet, close the closet. I walk into the bathroom to see if I've forgotten anything in the bathroom, because that's generally where I do. I turn, I walk out of the bathroom. I look across the bedroom and the living room at the mirror. And there was somebody else in the mirror looking at me. Not you at four o'clock in the morning. No, I look pretty damn good at 4 o'clock in the morning when I've been through the showers, <laughs> And it lasted for like one one long second. And then there I was in the mirror. And I thought, I am so out of here. I am scared
1: to death. So... So how much? Okay, you mentioned that you you were drinking wine. How much wine did you? Have? No, no, no. I'm talking
0: about four or five ounces. No, 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 no. When I'm working, I mean, I don't have much to drink.
1: I know that. I, mean, I
0: just had to – yeah, about you know, one glass and then a little sip. I mean, that's it. So, um, so what do you think about all of this? I I
1: I have almost not stopped thinking about it. Well, I can imagine. I so I like adventure. So the. There's a piece of me that would love to just go stay in the same exact room 214 for the for the experience. Yes? Um good on you. Good on you. I'll
0: I'll I'll give you a good reference to the hotel. But and you're
1: not going back.
0: I'm not. I am not going back. Okay. I am not going back. And, uh, so do you whole, have any
1: more conversations with the, whole, I did. So, about this.
0: So, so let me tell you what happened. So I had, uh, on the second evening early, I had to go off to, uh, a reception for the speech I was doing the next morning. And, uh, I went off to the reception about, I think five thirty, as I recall, the reception started at six and was going to go to about nine. I knew I'd be out of there by about six thirty. shake all the important hands, be very nice, show up, and then head back to the hotel room to get ready for the next day. And, and uh, so I took the hotel courtesy shuttle and, um, uh, nice, nice young guy driving the courtesy shuttle. And uh, so I was telling him the story. Well, by very early the next morning, everybody in the hotel had heard the story and, uh, everybody, all the guests in the lobby were telling me about the story. And, uh, one guy who works for, uh, uh, what's the bank? B-B-D-O. Uh, I think that's uh, got a big major presence on the East Coast. He was telling me that he has stayed in uh, many rooms in the hotel and that he has had very many strange encounters. So um, anyway, that's, that's the story. I don't know what else to make of it, but I can tell you it was all very real.
1: Well, that is a, that is a great story, something that I'm sure you're going to remember for a long time. But we always like to leave our listeners with something that they can take back to their business to be better. So... You got something for us today as well. I do, I, I do. and uh, for the. And by the way, I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of
0: this story in the years to come. Oh, no, I, I, I I know I will, but I just don't want to ever have it be repeated in my life. So uh, for people who are joining us, maybe for a first time or, or don't know about it, uh, for every speech I do, uh, I do the hour hour and a half conversation, my discovery conversation with the CEO, <laughs> and then I talk to 12 other people who are going to be part of the event, and so this was an event. Filled with business owners, presidents, CEOs of their own companies, uh, small, medium, and large. And so one of the guys I was able to talk to uh, was a man by the name of Ellen Purser, and he owns a company called Automatic Climate. Uh, in Virginia, and they specialize in residential heating air conditioning plumbing he 's got a good sized business a delightful guy to talk to. Uh came out of high school didn 't know if he wanted to go to college didn 't know what he wanted to do, went in the military. It was a great experience uh, it taught him that he 's capable of far more than he ever thought he was capable of and as we talked about his ch- his challenges, he said, "Look." people are my biggest challenge. It's my full-time job. And he said, 90% of my day is staff interaction. And then I said, well, tell me about a typical day. And he said something that to you might sound very simple and the people listening might sound very simple. And I thought it was profound. And I've thought about it a lot since he told me, I said, well, how do you spend your day? He said, well, I'm here a lot of hours. I spend a lot of time here. And what I do here is, he said, I don't run the place. He said, I'm actually an assistant to everyone who works here. And I said, what do you mean? You're an assistant to everyone who works there. He said, my job is to just make certain that nothing gets in the way of them getting their job done. He said, I truly see myself as an assistant to everybody, helping everybody in whatever way that I can. Uh, I think that that's awfully profound. And then I started thinking about all the great leaders of all the great companies that I've written about in my books. And I thought to myself, you know what? I, I've never heard those words before, but I bet every one of these people would have said that that was their job description too an assistant to everybody, making sure that there's nothing in the way of them getting their job done and helping them achieve what they wanted to achieve. And so um, I think that's something for people to ponder. I I, I think it's a potentially very, very big thought. And I think it could have a lot of application for a lot of people because I've known a lot of business owners, CEOs, and presidents who don't see anybody or don't see themselves an assistant to anybody they see everybody's job as to serve them. So I thought that was pretty profound.
1: That is a, such a clear way of articulating exactly what you said, what's, what you see in, in the leaders who are running great companies. It's a level of humility and knowing, talk about emotional intelligence and how to work with people and how to help people be their best so it serves the company well. Yeah. That's fantastic. And and what I thought about was the company Waste Connection
0: based in uh, Houston, who I did an event for uh, last year with a couple of thousand people. And the fact that they were founded about 18 years ago around a kitchen table with a bunch of credit cards. And today they've got a market capitalization of 18 or $19 billion. Uh, It's just uh, an incredible company. And and I hearken back to them. Uh, That is how everyone, that's what everyone in the organization does. They exist to serve everybody else and help everybody get to where they want to be and get done what they need to get done. And the result is in 16, 17 years, a company that went from a handful of credit cards to an 18, 19, maybe larger billion dollar capitalization right now. So I think my my advice to everybody would be um, think about this. I'm an assistant to everyone who works here And I make sure that nothing gets in the way of them getting done what they want to get done and them getting to where they want to be. I think that's really profound stuff.
1: So I would say the takeaway for leaders and managers who are listening, look at yourself in the mirror and hopefully you just see yourself and no other image whatsoever (laughs) after a good night's sleep. But ask yourself if you can really call yourself an assistant to the people that you are that you lead? And if so, how does that behavior present itself day in and day out? That is a a powerful approach to leadership management um, and working with people. Any final thoughts for us? Yeah, I have
0: uh, two final thoughts. Um, I loved this audience of business owners in Richmond. Uh, some of them do two, three, four million dollars a year. Some of them do twenty million dollars a year. A few of them do a hundred million dollars a year. But they, they all had one thing in common: they all started out with a pickup truck and a set of tools, and the company came. The resultant company came out of that. That's what they all shared in common. And I'll tell you what. Uh, I get to speak to some of the greatest companies on the planet. I love speaking to big companies. I love speaking to important leadership teams. I love helping everybody. But put me in front of a bunch of people who started with a pickup truck and a set of tools and have built a company along the way. The, their their common sense approach to building an enterprise just is so spot on. They certainly got every single thing I was talking about. And the second thing I'm going to ask is this, if anybody else who's listening has ever had a spooky experience like I had, I mean, I don't want to get emails about, you know, parapsychology and this existence of ghosts. I don't want to know anything about it. I'm just curious if anybody else has ever had an experience similar to the one I had, uh, I would really love to hear about it. I, I really
1: would like to know that I'm not alone out fantastic okay you can reach jason via email it is jason at jason-jennings.com or you can find him on facebook jason-jennings.com slash facebook always subscribe in the itunes store at jason-jennings.com jason works to reply to all those emails quickly you can tell your story right there Thank you, Jason. <laughs> so, uh, Dale, great great being with you. I'm sure this thing is going to haunt me for a long time. Haunt you. Good choice of words. Good choice of words. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today has called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event. Visit the website, jason-jennings.com. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people